Did you know gold and silver prices are at an all-time high? If you have any gold, silver, or platinum coins, bullion, Franklin, mint items, diamonds, jewelry, art, antiques, paintings, French furniture, any Tiffany items, sterling flatware, Judaica, Oriental rugs, older baseball cards, sports and entertainment memorabilia, watches, especially better watches such as Rolex, Patek Philippe, Vacheron, Tiffany, IWC, Cartier, Brigat, Omega, Breitling, Bulgari, just to name a few. APR 57 Gallery will buy them all at the highest cash prices in any condition, even broken. APR 57 Gallery also needs any designer jewelry such as Cartier, Tiffany, Bucciolati, Van Cleef, Harry Winston, and Bulgari. Now is the time to cash out at the world-famous APR 57 Gallery on 57th Street in New York City across from Carnegie Hall. They also come to your home and do certified insurance appraisals. So if you have anything of value, call them for a free appraisal and high cash offer at 212-246-2000. That's 212-246-2000 or toll-free 1-800-772-0054. Good evening, everyone. This is Lee the Appraiser here in our amazing new APR 57 gallery with another segment, an episode of Amazing Appraising. And we are going to be talking about a number of very unique items that we have available to discuss with you here in our brand new gallery on 57th Street. Today and this week was a very eventful week with numerous uh, treasures, real treasures, possible treasures, and um, we'll say treasures that didn't quite make it. Uh, but they were treasures in people's mind nonetheless. They came to us and that's our job to evaluate and appraise these items that people uh, some of them know for sure have value, and they actually do. Some of them they're not sure of, they think so, and we help, um, you know, validate that and uh, examine them and verify that they're valuable and make them very high appraisals and cash offers. And then, of course, some people think or they, they're not sure of, and unfortunately there's some disappointments along the way. But we cover everything, uh, including the items, the people that own them, that uh, bring them in here, etc. And um, we've had some very unusual items this past week. We're going to go over them. We have, uh, I'm just going to give you a taste, a little of what we're going to be discussing this week. And remember, please, that all these items that we're talking about are going to be available for you to view and see the appraisals as we do them uh, online. Uh, I think they're under YouTube under Amazing Appraising, or you can just search for them, Lee the Appraiser, and they will come up. We are going to be discussing and showing uh, what we believe is the world's first automatic watch ever produced. Okay, it got a patent for it, and rumor has it that Rolex bought the patent of this watch circa about 1927. We have today also probably the most valuable Invicta watch ever made. Their brand is not that expensive in general, but this is one of the rarest and most valuable Invicta watches we believe ever made. We have a cover of a coronation booklet that was actually the menu and advertising promotion of the coronation of Their Majesties King George VI and Queen Elizabeth in 1937 from a very fancy and prestigious um, Austrian restaurant. Uh, we have that to discuss. We have a, um, an original postcard showing the Hindenburg, the Graf Zeppelin stamp that was issued, I believe, in, 
I guess, what year was that? That was, must have been about 19, uh, 1930. Um, and this has the expensive Zeppelin stamp, which at that time uh, cost, had a face value of 65 cents when a letter was only, a postcard was a penny, I think, and a, and a, uh, a letter was two or three cents. 65 cents for a postcard that flew on the Hindenburg, the Graf Zeppelin stamp. We have a couple what appear to be rare vintage paintings to discuss. Uh, we're going to be talking about, we have a, a vintage Rolex gold-cased wristwatch. We're going to be talking about some other additional rare stamps. Uh, we have some pictures of them here, including a set of first-day covers of the uh, first stamp of Israel. Uh, the first set of Israeli stamps that were issued in 1948. We have a New York Rangers signed team photograph from 1941. And we have a poster from the famous movie Seabiscuit uh, honoring the, um, the famous uh, horse Seabiscuit that I think was considered the Triple Crown winner and the greatest, one of the great horses in history. I think it uh, won all the races in 1939. So we're going to be talking about all these things coming up here. And um, let's first uh, talk about the watches. That's always a hot topic. Um, today, the Patek Philippe and Rolex and Cartier's and a lot of the major brands are seeing a tremendous uh, demand in their watches. Um, so if you have any that you are looking to have appraised or sold, please give us a call. Every day we see very unusual and uh, collectible watches. We had somebody today that contacted us. They had three watches that are worth in excess of half a million dollars. We are appraising them and hopefully uh, going to purchase them on one of our collector's behalf. So if you have any rare watches, uh, those happen to be, uh, I think, a Patek Philippe Perpetual Calendar Chronograph, and they also have a Rolex Vintage Daytona from the early 70s. If you have any of these type of watches that you wish to have appraised, market value on, or possibly uh, estimated for repair, or you may want to sell them, please show them to us, and you can call or text us at our regular number, and we'll be happy to contact you about them and give you whatever information you need. So let's talk right now. The first subject we're going to talk about is the wristwatches. So um, we're going to talk about this for a minute here. So this watch here, it's a very, very unusual watch. It's called the Auto Wrist. Um, considered to be one of the first automatic watches never ever made. Now, what's unusual about this is that it's automatic, meaning that it has a function to wind itself other than winding itself on the chrome. Okay. So it has, if you look at it carefully, um, it has lugs that if you go up and down, the lugs are the part of the metal that exclude or ex uh, extend from the case to the strap. So if you look at this carefully, maybe you can see it with the back here, it goes up and down, you see that? And by that motion, it winds itself. So although most people consider an automatic watch to have the uh, rotating automatic wheel that um, instead of winding it manually it winds itself by moving your hand and shaking it this is a little different it winds itself by going up and down on the strap so although this function will not necessarily happen if you just left it alone 
if before you went to sleep or in the morning you just pulled it up and down a few times, you probably do it on your wrist. It will wind the watch and it will go automatically. And I, my understanding is from the collector we purchased this from, this was originally sort of invented by Fortis Watch Company, which he claims sold the patent to Rolex. Okay, I haven't been able to verify all that information, but anyhow, this was cool enough that me, a collector, who's seen watches over the course of over 40 years, have never seen this before. So we bought it, and um, we're excited we bought it. It's in brand new condition. It has a beautiful, like engraved off-white dial, sort of a silver dial with black Arabic numbers. And um, this watch was made, I think, dates about 1925. So in absolutely beautiful condition on a beautiful uh, sort of a dark brown crocodile padded strap. And it's, so if you're looking for something really cool in wristwatches, um, this is probably it. Very few people will know about this. They think automatic is just that you shake your wrist and it moves. This is a different type of automatic movement. And this is extraordinarily cool. If you have any unusual watches, again, with unusual features, movements, or cool stories behind them, who owned them, who bought them. Um, we would love to hear the stories and love to see the watches. And um, if everything is enticing as you make it sound, we will make you a very, very nice high cash offer on it, which we are sure you will be pleased with, okay? So please contact us if you have anything along these lines. We're gonna now take a short message and uh, we'll be right back after this brief announcement. Did you know gold and silver prices are at an all-time high? If you have any gold, silver, or platinum coins, bullion, Franklin Mint items, diamonds, jewelry, art, antiques, paintings, French furniture, any Tiffany items, sterling flatware, Judaica, oriental rugs, older baseball cards, sport and entertainment memorabilia, watches, especially better watches such as Rolex, Patek, Philippe, Vacheron, Tiffany, IWC, Cartier, Breguet, Omega, Breitling, Bulgari, just to name a few. APR 57 Gallery will buy them all at the highest cash prices in any condition, even broken. APR 57 Gallery also needs any designer jewelry such as Cartier, Tiffany, Bucciolati, Von Cleef, Harry Winston, and Bulgari. Now is the time to cash out at the world-famous APR 57 Gallery on 57th Street in New York City across from Carnegie Hall. They'll also come to your home and do certified insurance appraisals. So if you have anything of value, call them for a free appraisal and high cash offer at 212-246-2000. 212-246-2000 or toll-free 1-800-772-0054. This is Lee the Appraiser back for another segment of Amazing Appraising here from the APR 57 Gallery. How's everyone doing? I hope they're doing well. We are going to be talking about another. This is the watch segment. Okay, watch talk, like we say. This is a very beautiful, what we're holding here is a very, very beautiful Rolex. Um, circa, this watch is circa about 1970. It's called a gold case. It's not solid gold. Rolex stopped making these watches. Uh, my understanding is because they preferred people spend tens of thousands of dollars for the gold ones. So this one is stainless steel with a solid gold plate. It has the automatic oyster perpetual movement. It has the black dial with the gold markers and gold hands. Um, and it is an absolutely brand new condition. It has the date feature at 3 o'clock, and it comes on a very beautiful custom-colored 
um, handmade European uh, green, dark green uh, style strap. You can switch the strap, of course. But this is a very, very beautiful timepiece in gem mint condition. Um, and really, really beautiful. So a watch like this would retail probably upwards of $5,000. Um, if you have any like this, let us know. We would love to appraise them and make you a good offer. Uh, this one happens to be condition-wise probably 100 out of 100, like absolutely perfect. So uh, if you have anything like this, please let us know. Um, if you're looking to buy one, of course, we have a lot in stock. We're one of the few dealers. Uh, that have Rolexes in stock. Rolex itself, the company, doesn't have any available. But if you have any, please let us know. We're happy to look at them, appraise them for you, and um, you know, tell you what they're worth and make you very, very high cash offers. Okay, now we're going to be talking about a brand which we normally don't discuss. It's called Invicta. So Invicta has their reputation. They make very nice Swiss, wa Swiss watches. Um, and, uh, but typically they're known for selling, uh, we'll say, lowered end to moderate priced watches. And uh, they sell a lot of them on TV. They have boutiques around the country that sell them. I think they have one in Times Square. Um, typically their watches retail anywhere from several hundred up to maybe a thousand to two thousand dollars. This is one of their watches that retails almost fifteen thousand dollars. Okay, it's extra large, extra heavy. Um, they call this particular model, I think they call it the, let's check exactly, so I don't want to make a mistake with this. They call it the Flame Fusion Blue Label. Wow, sounds like a, uh, a scotch, doesn't it, Blue Label? I think so. <laughs> Well, I guess uh, right. it's the price of an expensive bottle of scotch. So it has probably about 700 diamonds studded throughout the dial and the bezel. It has a very special automatic perpetual movement. It's sort of made in a deep blue ceramic. Um, and it's just a very cool model. And the retail price is about 15 grand on this, which is um, really one of their most expensive. I mean, can you believe it? It's like two or three times the price of a Rolex and you're buying an Invicta. But anyhow, I mean, we discount them. So our price on this would be much, much less than five grand. And the watch is uh, brand new, but just to give you an idea. So this is a very unusual Invicta watch. You don't see them too often um, that have a retail price of over three grand. So um, it's got like uh, gold tone markers on this. Um, and I think it's made with a special blue fusion crystal that like it's sort of unbreakable, so that's very cool. So um, that's what we're talking about watches today. So if you have any Rolex, Paddock, Cartier, anything like that, you're looking to identify, price, repair, fix, let us know. We're happy to address any of your concerns. Just bring the items in, call or text us, and we're happy to price them and evaluate them for you. Okay, so that's talking about watches. What's next? Let's talk about rare stamps, okay? So when I was a youngster, a kid, um, my, uh, I had two people that influenced me in collecting items. My father, may he rest in peace, uh, Professor Paul, he was the head of the math department of uh, Columbia University. And he traveled a lot. He was considered one of the um, most famous and brilliant mathematicians of his generation. I'm originally from Minneapolis. However, Columbia recruited my father 
to uh, be head of the math department at Columbia and the Graduate School Teachers College in about 1960, when I was just a little kid. And uh, so I grew up in Minneapolis, and uh, my mom's brother, his name was uh, Lenny, Uncle Lenny, uh, he was uh, handed down a fourth-generation used car business out in Minnesota in a small town called Osseo, which was about half an hour from uh, Minneapolis proper from the city. My understanding is when he was a youngster, he used to work there in the car parts business. They had a junkyard in Osseo, and they used to buy uh, demolished and damaged cars, and they would sell off the parts. And he was a man that uh, was ahead of his time, and him and his, a friend of his, I think, in Wisconsin, I'm trying to remember the guy's name, it, was, uh, it escapes me right now, maybe Will, something like that. And they uh, were the first ones that came up with this idea of having a, um, basically a communication system amongst the dealers where they actually had speakers in all the used car um, parts, all the used car junkyards uh, on the, in the Midwest. And I remember you would hear on the mic, they had literally speakers, and they would say, hey, this is Lenny from Hans Auto Parts in Minneapolis, or in Osseo, is it? Uh, I need a fender, uh, the front fender for a 19... Uh, say 1974 BMW, you know, somebody would hear that message and they'd say, oh, Lenny, I got one here. The price is $195 shipped and they would ship it out by uh, Greyhound bus is what they, how they would do it. There'd be, a, you know, a $30 shipping fee at that time. And uh, that's how they did business. So he started on the property there in his junkyard. It was on many acres there. He built, he didn't have a college education and uh, he resented it a little that his family could only send one of the brothers to college and they selected the older brother, the firstborn, and he went off to college and uh, my uh, uncle, Uncle Lenny, um, I don't know if he resented it, but he did the best he could and he studied the car business and whatever money he made he reinvested in cars. He knew that. He had a guy working for him. I remember this. This is, my God, this is almost 60 years ago. It, uh, they called him Doc. And he was so talented when it came to cars. Rumor has it, I remember at that time, that he could take apart a motor, okay, blindfolded, dissect an entire motor from any car, and blindfolded, re-put it back together again. That's what he did. His name was Doc, as in doctor, as in being a physician of cars, the expert. He was an expert surgeon when it came to automobiles. My uncle used him to repair cars and parts um, for really some of the most amazing cars. He built a, he took a car, a Volkswagen from 1974 and what he did is he had Doc take off the back side of the Volkswagen, the whole entire back. So you had half a car of the front. And then he had him rebuild the back facing the front. You should have seen the people's faces when I was in the back seat with a steering wheel and my uncle would back up. 
and they would see a four-year-old boy driving a Volkswagen. It would freak people out. It was an amazing thing. So that was all courtesy of Doc, may he rest in peace. So he was one of the many talented people who worked at my uncle's place called Hans Auto Parts. And my uncle had his office on the premises, a house there, like a, a guest house there where that was his office there. And he had it filled with all types of collectibles. And I remember that as a youngster and he would show me these things. He had money from the Civil War. He had guns from the Civil War. He had letters from the Civil War. He had a whole stash of stuffed animals, okay? Now, he never hunted, but he would buy them from people. Like, whenever he'd buy, you know, people just knew about him when he would advertise about cars. He would, so he had all this, these, these animals. And I remember, I didn't see it. I wasn't there at the time, but I remember, I guess, in the 80s or so, um, you know, it became sort of... Um, not fashionable to have a lot of these animals. So for people who are not knowledgeable about this, a lot of these animals are, quote, um, they're illegal to own because they fall under the category of endangered species. So not only do you need a license officially to even touch them or handle them, but they're illegal to own. So if you have in, uh, in many cases, and there's so many laws about this, meaning you have city laws, you have state laws, and then you have federal laws. So all the laws in many cases are different, and that goes the same with ivory that we've talked about in the past. You very well might be you know, doing something illegal by one of these requirements, whether it's state, city, or federal. So it's, in most cases, not worth it to get involved. Okay, and you know, like just to give you an example, I don't know, but certain alligators, skins, alligators, are illegal in certain states to own. Uh, anything that's, that could be extinct, like polar bears, I know in many cases, rhinoceroses, anything associated with ivory. Like I saw somebody selling a rhinoceros. It wasn't a head, it was a semi-head or a leg they used as a stool, okay? Uh, you know, I, again, uh, you know, some people obviously don't want to touch that. I can understand that. But certainly anything associated with ivory is probably a big no-no to get involved with. So um, I just remember, I wasn't there at the time, but I remember a, uh, a group of people came in for the Department of Wildlife. They came in and basically um, confiscated all these stuffed animals that fell into that category of extinct and legal to own. Okay. So you have to be careful with that. Um, we're going to take another short break, and we will continue this fascinating discussion of how I got into collectibles through my uncle and father. We'll be back in just a minute. Did you know gold and silver prices are at an all-time high? If you have any gold, silver, or platinum coins, bullion, Franklin, mint items, diamonds, jewelry, art, antiques, paintings, French furniture, any Tiffany items, sterling flatware, Judaica, oriental rugs, older baseball cards, sports and entertainment memorabilia, watches, especially better watches such as Rolex, Patek Philippe, Vacheron, Tiffany, IWC, Cartier, Brigitte, Omega, Breitling, Bulgari, just to name a few. APR 57 Gallery will buy them all at the highest cash prices in any condition, even 
even broken. APR 57 Gallery also needs any designer jewelry such as Cartier, Tiffany, Bucciolati, Van Cleef, Harry Winston, and Bulgari. Now is the time to cash out at the world-famous APR 57 Gallery on 57th Street in New York City across from Carnegie Hall. They also come to your home and do certified insurance appraisals. So if you have anything of value, call them for a free appraisal and high cash offer at 212-246-2000. That's 212-246-2000 or toll-free 1-800-772-0054. This is Lee the Appraiser back for another segment of Amazing Appraising. And we've been talking about all types of collectibles. We discussed uh, certain rare watches. We discussed, um, what else did we talk about? I don't know, certain stamps, or we're we getting into the stamps right now. Um, so I was just talking about the, I think, how I got involved in collectibles. I've been doing this for over, my gosh, close to 50 years now. And um, it's really amazing. I, 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 was, I was thanking my uncle, may he rest in peace, Uncle Lenny, who sort of got me the instinct and um, the interest to deal in collectibles as I was a little boy growing up in his junkyard. Uh, I would spend a lot of summer days there, I remember very vividly. Um, actually, crazy, as I said, he was a, he had a junkyard of all different types of cars. He, we, we talked about the Volkswagen he just made. He would take kids, he'd pick them up on Friday afternoon, right before sunset, and all the young Jewish boys, he would bring them to the synagogue on, he had his own fire engine. That's pretty cool, right? Mm -hmm. Your own fire engine. So he, he had an antique fire engine, probably from the 1950s or 40s, and he would take all the kids to the synagogue uh, on many Friday afternoons. That was pretty cool. I remember that. He had his own ambulance. Um, he had a car called, he had several what they call Studebakers from the 1920s. Those are cars that you actually cranked up, you wound them. And uh, interesting enough, you didn't have a key for them. You just had to find where the, the starter button was. Um, and he had a lot of very, very unusual cars. So basically my point was that he took his money that he knew that uh, he made from the cars Car, from the junk car parts, and he invested it in cars, and he had like an Astrodome there. He built a, uh, a garage, like an outdoor garage, um, where he kept all his collections of cars. And a uh, shout out to his son and my uh, lovely um, cousin, Craig, who uh, was with me. Uh, he's a little younger than me, and he's still out there in Minneapolis, and he spent many um, summers with me there. I love him dearly, his family. Uh, uh, era and um, whatever. So, so I would say my uncle planted the seeds in me to collect these items and to enjoy them and study them. So I've been doing that. It's challenging, but I like it and I am able to apply the same principles that I do with stamps and coins that I learned at a young age to all other collectibles. Um, so I sort of have a knack for it, I have an eye for it, and I enjoy it. And uh, that's a lesson for everybody there. If you have kids, um, or yourself even, you want to go into a field, you know, try to go into something you like. They say if you enjoy your work, um, it's, it's not considered work. And they say that typically, um, you know, you've never felt that you've worked a day in your life if it's something you enjoy. So I think that that's what everyone should do. I think if you have a child, 
You should find out what they like to do, what they enjoy, what they're passionate about, and see if somehow or another you can um, help them turn that into a profession or a career. You know, if they're good with their hands, maybe they want to be, and they enjoy it, maybe they want to be a computer technician. Maybe they want to repair uh, electric devices. Maybe they want to be a, um, you know, a car mechanic. I mean, anything you do, anything like that would be, um, you know, they, they would automatically, if they enjoy it, they will excel in it. They'll spend more time learning it, okay? Uh, if you're a musician, you like to play music, again, you know, you, you have to be realistic. In that, in that field, it's more difficult to be a performer, but, you know, because there's so many of them and the talent required to be a singer or a musician is very difficult. But that would be their, my first suggestion is try to do it as a profession. Now, even if they can't be a great musician, if they love the music field, they could perhaps be a producer. They could be a, a songwriter. They could be a agent. They could be a uh, music repair person. All these are fields that you can make a very good living if you do very well in it. And that means when I say do well, it means if you have an aptitude for it and you enjoy it. Because if you enjoy it, you're going to spend more time trying to perfect your skill and craft. And if you do that, all these fields you can make a good living by mean you know a professional uh, and a good professional in whatever you decide to do so that's my little suggestion here i think that they should do that i think all these high schools uh starting in 10th grade should meet with the students and find out what they enjoy what their aptitude is and have a guidance counselor there to try to help them guide them in their careers as opposed to just pushing people to be lawyers and doctors and fields that they really don't enjoy and don't like. Okay, so uh, what were we talking about? I think we were talking, we finished watches. We were talking about a little what got me into collecting. And um, okay, we're gonna take another very short break and we'll be back after this brief message. Did you know gold and silver prices are at an all-time high? If you have any gold, silver, or platinum coins, bullion, Franklin Mint items, diamonds, jewelry, art, antiques, paintings, French furniture, any Tiffany items, sterling flatware, Judaica, oriental rugs, older baseball cards, sport and entertainment memorabilia, watches, especially better watches such as Rolex, Patek, Philippe, Vacheron, Tiffany, IWC, Cartier, Breguet, Omega, Breitling, Bulgari, just to name a few. APR 57 Gallery will buy them all at the highest cash prices in any condition, even broken. APR 57 Gallery also needs any designer jewelry such as Cartier, Tiffany, Buccellati, Von Cleef, Harry Winston, and Bulgari. Now is the time to cash out at the world-famous APR 57 Gallery on 57th Street in New York City across from Carnegie Hall. They'll also come to your home and do certified insurance appraisals. So if you have anything of value, call them for a free appraisal and high cash offer at 212-246-2000. 212-246-2000 or toll-free 1-800-772-0054. This is Lee the Appraiser back for another segment of Amazing Appraising. We've talked about this week. Now, what did we talk about? Rare watches. By the way, I want everyone to make sure you stick around. My understanding is the show following me is by uh, Mr. Zev Brenner, a good friend of mine, Talk Line USA. And he, uh, I hear he has a great show with some very interesting guests this week, so make sure you stick around. His show starts immediately after ours at nine o'clock. So we're now gonna be talking about one of my first 
uh, items that I started collecting, which is rare stamps. Okay, so just to give everybody a quick uh, rundown on that. What are stamps? Stamps are basically the paper, the currency that was used or still done, but on a limited basis, to mail letters. So if you had to mail a letter, you had to buy a stamp from the government, you would put the stamp on the envelope that would constitute you, in essence, you were paying for their service and whatever it cost, a nickel, a penny, a dime, to mail that letter to whether it's a block away or in New Jersey or uh, to Germany or France, wherever it might be, you bought those stamps, you put it on the letter and you mailed the letter. So those stamps were made typically by the uh, various governments that you were in that you used the service. And um, the government made a lot of money making stamps because every stamp that was made that wasn't used, and even today it's not used, it's considered pure profit for the government. You got that, Vic? Mm -hmm. They're, that's like pure profit. If they can, like, for example, Israel um, started issuing stamps. They were a country, and I guess they were founded in 19, officially. I mean, they had Palestine before that. But in 1948, Israel became their own country, and um, they issued stamps, obviously, uh, starting in that date. And a lot of people, uh, especially um, Jewish people, felt that they wanted to support the country. And if they could buy stamps of Israel, and initially the stamps uh, went up a lot in value. This is starting in the 70s and 80s and you would buy a lot of Israeli stamps, they would go up in value, so you owned um, basically something from the country, and you made an investment in, in the country, and the money went to the state of Israel because they printed the stamps. So it was a very nice way to uh, basically give money to the state uh, of Israel, and also hopefully appreciate the value of your collection as it went up in value. So it was sort of like a, um, a double bonus there where you thought or you could basically rationalize you're giving charity to some degree. You're supporting the state of Israel and you're also making a very good investment. And, um, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, there's some issues what happened after that, but basically the stamps of Israel went up quite a bit in value, I would say up until about the year 2000. Since then, uh, the hobby has changed a little over the years. It used to be, wow, so many people were stamp collectors. The young kids were stamp collectors, uh, middle-aged adults. Everyone was a stamp collector. It was like the most popular hobby in the world. And uh, I would say starting, unfortunately, probably in 2000, maybe 2010, what happened is our younger generation just didn't appreciate the things that the older generations did. So you, all these young kids, instead of sitting down with their parents and, 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 and collecting stamps, like they don't sit down with their parents and do anything today, right? Nothing, right? That's it. I mean, did you just read this article the other day that, you know, the NFL is supposed to be a, uh, uh, the National Football League, a great organization that is supposed to have good values, and the number one event they put on is the Super Bowl, okay? So they have, over the last couple of years, they've had women wearing virtually yeah. nothing, like Beyonce and I don't know who else. Okay, I mean, if you had a little girl or boy, you'd be embarrassed to have them watch this. And this is the Super Bowl. It's crazy. And this year they went after and they hired to do the Super Bowl Snoop Dogg. And anyone, I'm not going to go into detail, but anyone that read the lyrics in any of his songs, okay, how he...
um, let's just say how, uh, I'll say it in general terms, he degrades women, he degrades certain races, he degrades the police, he degrades everybody, he talks about drugs and sex and all these terrible things, and here is somebody that you're honoring to watch and to say he's the person that we want to represent the NFL at the Super Bowl. It's insane. It's crazy. Now, I'm not really faulting him, but, I mean, you know, he's chosen what he wants to do. But for, for the NFL, which is supposed to represent our country, people, and hopefully good values, good values and ideals, to have this guy and pick him, like, you couldn't pick a worse person to represent the ideals of this country. And that's really, there is no excuse for that. So everybody should, uh, I think, uh, whatever. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. I don't know, boycott, I don't know. But that's a, a really, like, I can't imagine anyone that would be um, really uh, for this type of, uh, you know, choice. But anyhow, what was I talking about? Um, Oh, so we were talking about stamps, what they are. I don't know how we got sidetracked. But anyhow, so we were talking about stamps, what they, they use them for. So the government uses them, right? Okay, so Israel stamps, right, so they became popular until the early, right, 2000s, and then uh, the, the kids said they really um, got disenchanted with stamps and coins and other things like that. And um, so what do the kids today like? Okay, so they like... Uh, video games, computers, um, things along those things, they, they, everything that can be watched on mobile devices, movies, uh, videos, etc., etc. Um, so that is the story with them. So the stamp collecting in general has died down. Uh, we're hoping that it picks up. If you guys, anyone out there, any of you have any kids or grandkids, that it's a great hobby to sit down with them. You can buy uh, some inexpensive stamps. You can start them collecting. You know, I learned everything I know about history is from stamp collecting. I look at a stamp, I look at it, I learned it as a, you know, when I was seven years old, how to differentiate and pick out, figure out what country the stamp was made from based on the name, the denomination. You know, it was written in foreign languages, but I learned how to figure that out. And it was really a gift to be able to do that and to learn to do that, and I really uh, enjoyed it. Um, to find the stamps in the catalog, know how to look them up, same with coins. You know, every kid, not every kid, but a lot of kids were given, you know, a, a piggy bank full of old pennies and nickels and dimes and quarters that were used over the years that were older ones. Uh, we would sort through them. We'd put them in the books by the year, by the condition, and... Um, that's how kids started to collect stamps and coins, and that was one of the things that started my collection. So we're going to talk just a bit here. So what do we have here? We have a, this is called a postcard. Again, you can look, go to our YouTube channel, Amazing Appraising, um, Lee the Appraiser. We have here a envelope with a 65-cent Graf Zeppelin airmail stamp. This is called, the catalog number is C13 which is the 13th airmail stamp the government ever issued. This was issued about 1930 or so, and it was put on a postcard, so it actually had a total denomination of 61 cents, and this flew on the Hindenburg flight to Europe. Uh, 
We're going to take it out carefully. And we are going to look on the back of it. And interestingly enough, it says care of the U.S. Ambassador of the U.S. Embassy, Mr. John C. Adams. It says on the top left corner, via LZ-127 Lakehurst to Seville, which is actually, it went from Lakehurst, uh, I guess that's New Jersey, to Seville, Spain. It went on a round, tr a round trip flight. And the back, it says from J.S., J.C. Adams, uh, Portland, Oregon. Okay, so um, he basically, from Portland, mailed it to himself, I guess, in Spain. Okay, this was mailed mm -hmm. to Spain. So he did this not to write to himself, Mr. Adams, but he did it to, he wanted to have a relic, a, um, a postcard with that stamp that flew on the Graf Zeppelin. Mm -hmm. So now he can say here, he has an example of this stamp that came out and actually was used on this Hindenburg Graf Zeppelin. And one of these uh, Zeppelins actually uh, blew up in New Jersey about, uh, it was a very famous mm -hmm. story. It, 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 yeah, burnt up. And yes, there are some envelopes that were actually on that flight, you know, on that, that Hindenburg, Hindenburg flight that are right. quite valuable. And if you look at them closely, you'll see they have burn marks on them. So that's pretty cool. So he mailed this to keep this for himself. So what we have is a stamp here that's in extremely fine condition, postmark. Um, people want the stamp centered. That means that it should be symmetrically in the middle with the perforations. Um, and it has the postmark of the postcard there as well. So this is an item that um, the Graf Zeppelins, I remember uh, in the, I guess, mid-1980s, um, these stamps in perfect condition, unused, there was a set of three. They were selling for up to $10,000 a set. And um, I remember as a kid, um, when I was just starting out, I sold a sheet, a set of sheets for like 250000 I didn't have the money, of course, but I brokered the sale. I sold it to one of my clients and I made like a grand on selling the whole set. Um, so they were selling for up to $10,000 a set at one point. Now they sell today for about $1,500, $2,000 in perfect condition. Um, those are considered one of the key American stamps. They're the airmail stamps. Again, their catalog, the numbers, Scott numbers are C13, 14, and 15. If you have any of these Zeppelin stamps, if you have any Zeppelin stamps, they're very popular, and we would love to buy and appraise them for you. We're one of the few people that actually buy and appraise stamps today. It's my true love. It's the first collectible that I ever handled. In fact, when I was a young boy, when I was like 19 years old, there was two major department stores here in New York City for all that you can remember. They were 134th Street. One was called Macy's, which is still around today. Um, they were, I think they took over Bloomingdale's, the big corporation, so Macy's still has hundreds of stores around the country. And there was another store called Gimbel's, owned by Gimbel's Brothers, which um, uh, is no longer around today. So I, the gentleman that owned the Gimbel's chain uh, that, not the chain, but the stamp and coin concessions. His name was Jacques Minkus, Mr. Minkus. I worked for him as my first real job when I got out of high school. And um, he owned about 40 major, or 50 um, concessions of stamps and coins in major department stores around the country. 
He founded the Minkus Publishing Company, which was a publishing company that published catalogs and albums for uh, stamps and coins. And uh, so that was my first job, is working under it, being an assistant buyer for, for the stamp department and all those chains. I worked under a gentleman by the name of Ben Blumenthal, who was a really fine gentleman, a great teacher, and um, um, I'm trying to remember, I think it was also his brother, I think, was a uh, performer, a comedian, um, who passed. And anyhow, Mr. Blumenthal taught me a lot of things about stamps, and um, so that's where I worked initially. Um, so we'll talk about other things that I have. Um, um, okay, uh, so we're talking about the stamps. So this we have here. Um, you know, we're going to take another very short break, and we'll be right back after this message, and we will talk, we'll come back and talk more about stamps and everything else collectible in just one minute. Did you know gold and silver prices are at an all-time high? If you have any gold, silver, or platinum coins, bullion, Franklin, mint items, diamonds, jewelry, art, antiques, paintings, French furniture, any Tiffany items, sterling flatware, Judaica, oriental rugs, older baseball cards, sports and entertainment memorabilia, watches, especially better watches such as Rolex, Patek Philippe, Vacheron, Tiffany, IWC, Cartier, Brigitte, Omega, Breitling, Bulgari, just to name a few. APR 57 Gallery will buy them all at the highest cash prices in any condition, even broken. APR 57 Gallery also needs any designer jewelry such as Cartier, Tiffany, Bucciolati, Van Cleef, Harry Winston, and Bulgari. Now is the time to cash out at the world-famous APR 57 Gallery on 57th Street in New York City across from Carnegie Hall. They also come to your home and do certified insurance appraisals. So if you have anything of value, call them for a free appraisal and high cash offer at 212-246-2000. That's 212-246-2000 or toll-free 1-800- 0054. This is Lee the Appraiser back for more uh, of APR 57, more of a, uh, Amazing Appraising um, in our brand new gallery here. And we are talking about a number of different things. We were, uh, we've talked about watches today. We've talked about, um, I guess, some artwork. We've talked about, uh, oh my gosh, uh, stamps and coins. We're talking about a little more about stamps now. Um, so we are holding here. This is the first issue of the Stamps of Israel in 1948. This is what is called a first day cover. Um, this set of stamps was issued on um, May 16th, 1948. And this shows, they're um, called Dor Ivri. These are the uh, first set of stamps commemorating the coins and currency of Israel. Um, the first nine stamps that they ever issued is considered a set. Uh, this is an extremely fine condition. It's postmarked. The day of the issuance of the stamps, which is, makes it a first day cover. Um, and it has the three most valuable stamps Israel issued. These three stamps in perfect uh, mint condition with the original tabs. The tabs are the bottom selvage of the sheet of stamps that was uh, originally issued. So I'll just go into So this item sells for about uh, $500 approximately. 
Um, so I'm just going to tell you a quick story why the first set of Israeli stamps became so valuable. So as I was telling our audience, I used to work for Gimbel's uh, stamp department, which was owned by a gentleman by the name of Jacques Minkus. Mr. Minkus um, was um, the founder of the Minkus Publications and um, of the uh, Gimbel stamp department and uh, about 50 other stamp department and coin departments around the country. Uh, he put, the way it worked was he, and the, he got Gimbel's on the map, meaning that Macy's and Gimbel's had a huge competitive uh, nature between the both of them. And he went and he knew that, and he went to Gimbel's, and they both had stamped apartments at that time. And Mr. Minkus went to the Gimbel's brothers and said, listen guys, you want to knock the socks off of Macy's? This is what you do. You give me permission to have a ground floor exhibition gallery um, on your main floor in your prime space, give me 2,000 square feet, and I will put you on the map as the largest and most best and most sophisticated stamped apartment in the world. And um, he convinced Gimbel's to do that. He never paid a dime in rent. All his rent was based on a commission of sales, so it was really no risk for him whatsoever. And I don't know if any of you old-timers remember, so Gimbel's on the ground floor had a stamp department right in the middle of their store. And Gimbel's was unique in the fact that it was the only probably store in the country that had access to the entire New York City subway system. 34th Street was one of the prime stations in the world. And they virtually had, you could go to any subway virtually in the PATH trains by just walking in Gimbel's, they had the station there that you can go down the stairs of Gimbel's and it said, you know, you, you walk there, you're on the lobby and there would be a stair, there's staircases all around the lobby that would say uh, access to one train, two train, three train, five trains. So you wouldn't even go. So people went in the store to actually take the subway. Okay, and, this, and the block and the this, the store was a block long. So if you had to go from Sixth Avenue to Seventh uh, Avenue, or actually, I think from Seventh Avenue Broadway to Eighth Avenue, no, it's actually from Sixth to Seventh. I'm sorry, Sixth to Seventh. You could actually do it underground and not get wet. I remember doing that all the time, and I, you can still do that at Macy's, but you don't have the access to the subway stations in the state in the store. They're outside, they're nearby. But this was actually, they had it in the store. And uh, he convinced them to do that. So um, long story short is he also convinced Israel to allow him to be their marketer and representative of the stamps of Israel in 1948. So he went to the Israeli government and said, here, I'm going to represent you. And they agreed to do that, and he founded what was called the Israel Philatelic Agency of America. That was his wholesale division. And what happened was he, so he became the number one seller of Israeli stamps at that time when they became a, a state. So he published his first albums. Uh, the way Israel did, they didn't have a thing called tabs. So what are tabs? So tabs are, if they had a sheet of stamps that the government issued, and they were, let's just say, five by ten. That means five, five stamps wide, ten deep. That's 50 stamps. So the bottom five stamps would have a piece of selvage on the bottom, just a blank, like a blank piece of perforated paper, okay? 
So there was nothing on those stamps. So what he did was he his albums had pictures of the stamps without any other additional piece of paper. That that blank piece of paper, which technically has a term called selvage. Okay, it was a blank tab. There was nothing written on it. Um, he had pictures in the albums, of course, without that piece of paper. They were just the stamp. So nobody collected that bottom piece of paper. There were only five, stamp, uh, five stamps per sheet that had that. The paper was blank, so nobody collected that. So what happened was, um, after the first year, or actually after the first set of stamps that they issued, and the first po per postage due stamps, Israel came up with the idea of putting a label, that means some print, talking about what the stamps commemorated on that bottom piece of paper, because they didn't want it to be blank. They could use it basically as a, I'm not going to say sales promotion, but as a something to promote the stamps. They would talk about something about the stamps on that little piece of paper on the bottom of the sheet. So what happened was then, Mr. Mink has said, oh, interesting. So let's make, keep the stamps with the bottom that bottom salvage. So he made an album that had spaces for the regular stamps. So you'd have, uh, the sheet, if the sheet had, um, if there were 50 stamps on the sheet and only five had that salvage, so 45, 45 of the 50 would have uh, just the regular stamp that they could put in the album. And then he made albums specifically for those bottom stamp for those stamps that had the salvage. Okay? But he did this after the first issue. So he basically caused the demand for so the uh, the demand for these tab issues. They're called tabs. So they had the tabs and they had the regular mint singles. But since he didn't do that with the first issue of stamps, this first issue became very coveted and very valuable with the tabs. So they sell for, you know, maybe $500 or so, $1,000 without the tabs, and with the tabs they can go to five dollars to $10,000 depending on the condition. So he, you know, uh, accidentally caused the value of these stamps to rise substantially. We will be right back and talk more about the rare stamps of the world in just a minute. Did you know gold and silver prices are at an all-time high? If you have any gold, silver, or platinum coins, bullion, Franklin Mint items, diamonds, jewelry, art, antiques, paintings, French furniture, any Tiffany items, sterling flatware, Judaica, oriental rugs, older baseball cards, sport and entertainment memorabilia, watches, especially better watches such as Rolex, Patek, Philippe, Vacheron, Tiffany, IWC, Cartier, Breguet, Omega, Breitling, Bulgari, just to name a few. APR 57 Gallery will buy them all at the highest cash prices in any condition, even broken. APR 57 Gallery also needs any designer jewelry such as Cartier, Tiffany, Buccellati, Von Cleef, Harry Winston, and Bulgari. Now is the time to cash out at the world-famous APR 57 Gallery on 57th Street in New York City across from Carnegie Hall. They'll also come to your home and do certified insurance appraisals. So if you have anything of value, call them for a free appraisal and high cash offer at 212-246-2000. 212-246-2000. Or toll-free 1-800-772-0054. Okay, everyone, this is Lee the Appraiser from Amazing Appraising, APR 57 here in New York City. We want to thank you all for tuning into our show this week. And um, we want you to stick around. I hear Zev Brenner, Talk on Communications, who's up next right after the news, has a great show this week. Please make sure 
you stick around and listen to him. If you guys have anything that you want to ask me about, stamps, coins, jewelry, watches, art, antiques, any topics we covered this week, let us know. We're happy to address uh, everything about them. We love what we do. We love appraising items. So if you have any questions about anything, please call or text us at 917-439-9610. Again, you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook or I don't know, what's it called? YouTube, YouTube. and YouTube and uh, just amazing appraising there. Look us up. Uh, we're going to have um, a showing uh, all the items that we were talking about will be there on video for you to see. So until next week, please stay well, stay safe, and stay collecting. Take care. Good night.